How about we make a goal for the first three months of you getting six to seven hours a night? How about we make the goal of the first three months of you eating vegetables with every single meal and having a couple liters of water a day? Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Lee Boyce. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, what's new in my neck of the woods, and man, there's just been a lot of things going on. All good things, but a lot of good things going on. So, number one, coaching has been going fantastic. Again, lots of progress from the people I've been working with. Excited for my guy, Keelan Martin, got a 10-day contract with the Celtics last week. So hopefully, you know, that'll happen again. You know, maybe you'll get a couple of those, maybe get signed to the rest of the year. It's really hard to prove yourself in a 10-day contract, especially when you're in season, because look, man, a lot of teams already have a rotation. They're kind of locked in, but man, Keelan's a great player, really like the guy's a bucket on offense and he's very, very adept defensively. Like I've watched that guy guard everything from Kristaps Porzingis, uh, the Mavs this year to Steph Curry for Golden State. So he's a very, very good defender, and I think he's a great addition to that team. So hopefully he gets a good shot there. Had my guy Ed in. He's looking better and better every week. Uh, Jacob had a race in St. Petersburg this weekend. So, man, just all kinds of good stuff going on with the athletes. Excited for them. Pretty locked in on my own training and nutrition as well. I mentioned it a couple weeks back, but hired a nutrition coach. Start of the year, starting to see and feel some benefits. Obviously, never never hurts to get rid of a little extra fluff. Uh, but even more importantly, just as far as my energy level goes, having a better understanding of how to properly fuel my body, how to really kind of dial that in, whether I'm you know in more of a maintenance phase or trying to cut a little bit. Even though, my gosh, I hate I hate those terms. <laughs> I hope somebody can figure out something better than bulk and cut because that is not how I think about it. But Regardless, both the training and the nutrition have been going really well. Excited about how that's been. Uh, Just a super stacked weekend. I feel like I almost needed a break today from the weekend because, man, Kendall had two cookie booths. She set a pretty, pretty challenging goal for Girl Scouts. She wanted to sell 450 boxes. And as of a couple weeks ago, she was nowhere close. So I've been really proud of her. This girl has been hustling. Uh, last week, I think we sold 60, uh, or they split it whenever they do a booth, her and the other girl split it. So I think they sold 120 last weekend at a booth. She had two booths this weekend where I think she sold 180 each. So, I mean, she's really close to this goal. She's got maybe a couple days left to sell. She's got one more cookie booth this weekend. So that's been fun. And I think it's just such great experience for them being able to talk to strangers, approach people, um, improving your sales skills, trying to explain the value beyond just, hey, buy a cookie. You know, it's like, hey, this is what we get out of this and this is what we're going to use this money for. So I think it's there's a lot of like intangible benefits in there that she'll see later on down the line. So that's actually been really fun. Uh, Kate had a basketball game. Kendall actually played two soccer games because Uh, The neighbors behind us were down a couple girls, so she played a guest game where I think she played about 35 out of 40 minutes and then turned around and played an R game after that. And, you know, even with subs, I think I played her probably 30. So she played about 65 minutes of soccer yesterday. She was pretty gassed at the end, but uh, I told her, hey, 
these are the moments where you get better, right? You challenge your conditioning. You played well when you were fatigued. You got a lot of touches on the ball. So trying to let her know, hey, this isn't just like fruitless here. Like these are the days that actually make you better. So it's been fun to, you know, talk to her and help her learn the, the game and all that. Uh, hit Costco, did meal prep yesterday. I mean, damn, just thinking about all that. It's a big weekend. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff done. So that's the, the week that was. And then, man, started today off really good. Had a couple coaching clients this morning and then had my guy Paul Rutan come in. And Paul is just an amazing human being. He is super helpful. Like he is the man behind my videos. Um, and I'd been shooting my videos here recently. It just doesn't have the same look, the same feel. The audio's not quite as crisp. So I had Paul come in today. We knocked out like 24, 26 videos. I mean, he's going to start editing my podcast for me now because he's just an amazing human, uh, somebody I love working with and just does a great job with all the audio and visual stuff. So make sure if you're not already, go follow my guy, Paul, put his link in uh, the show notes because he just does fantastic work with anything audio and video related. So that's it. That's all I got to say for this week. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with my guy, Lee Boyce. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions regressions and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Lee Boyce is a strength coach and educator based in Toronto, Canada, who's been working with clients and athletes since 2007. He's developed international recognition as a trainer and fitness writer for publications such as Men's Health, Oxygen, Train, Inside Fitness, Shape, The Wall Street Journal, The Huffington Post, Men's Journal, Esquire, and Strong Fitness Magazine. In this show, Lee and I talk about all the things. We start by discussing the gin pop and their training, and why we need more candid discussions about goals in this space. We talk about finding the quote-unquote sweet spot in training, and why it's so imperative to long-term success. We talk about how Lee shifted his mindset during the pandemic and the changes he had to make to his training and lifestyle after the fact. And last but not least, we talk about goal setting and goal feedback 
and why clients desperately need honesty and transparency from you as their coach. It's a really fantastic chat that we had, and I think you're going to love it. But enough for me. Let's do this. Lee, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I guess now I'm in my 15th year, geez, 15th year training uh, clients yeah. and uh, working in the fitness industry. So it's been a while now. Um, and I've uh, been into the writing game for about 12 years now. And so I've been, uh, you know, published uh, quite a lot of places now and so on. And, uh, you know, a couple of appearances in books and whatnot, too. So been doing that fitness writing for a long time as well. And uh, been spending uh, the last five, six years, I guess, now doing a lot more speaking and uh, traveling around to do some uh, some talks. So I've been uh, helping, you know, trainers get better their jobs and uh, just uh, providing education in that regard. And uh, outside of that, I'm also an adjunct college professor. So I do uh, fitness and health promotion classes for uh, diploma, diploma program students in their, uh, in their course. So um, that's at a college here in Toronto called Humber College. And so that's been really what I've been up to, which makes for some pretty busy days. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you are into all the things, man. It's like speaking, writing, coaching, teaching. You got more than a few uh, balls in the air, so to speak. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so, uh, you know, like I'm trying to, you know what, the pandemic was honestly a little bit of like uh, a chance for me to sort of take it easy and yeah. focus more on things like sleep, training, keeping consistent with all that stuff, nutrition and dialing in that in and all that. So uh, it, it was kind of like a good thing in disguise for me. And I tried to make the most of it. I love it, man. I love it. What originally led you to the world of physical preparation? Um, honestly, it was, it had to have gotten back to high school when I was uh, in high school, you know, I was into sports. I played a lot of different sports, you know, athlete of the year winner, even when I was uh, in school. And so oh, wow. it was, um, a lot of different, uh, disciplines that I was into track, basketball, football, volleyball, baseball. Not a lot of people know that, but, um, my main sport was always track and field yep. um, once I got to around grade. 10, I would say. And um, so I took that into university as well. And uh, while I was still in high school, though, I was interested in a course called exercise science, a kinesiology based course. I didn't really know much about it, but I took it. And the first time I took it, I did really well in it. I really enjoyed it. And then when I went to a new school for my final year of school, I took it again to see what that course had to offer there. And they had a different curriculum and it was just as enjoyable. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm sold on this. Like, it's what I want to take to university and whatnot. And uh, in university, while I was studying that, and while I was running track as well, varsity, I uh, was really interested in uh, chiropractic. That's what I really wanted to get into at first. And so the decision to me was sort of like, okay, so do I want to go through the bachelor's program, then get into a uh, the graduate school program, which is four years and a lot of money, but also for the purposes of working with mainly injured people. And, you know, that might be some people's bag, but it wasn't so much my bag. I wanted to work with more like the healthier side of people and the athletic side of things as well. And so from that, I made the decision, you know what, like, let me let me look at other avenues. And at age 20, I got a job as a personal trainer at a commercial gym. And that was literally the moment where I just didn't turn back. That's what I knew I wanted to do. So I stuck with it. I love it, man. I love it. So walk me through the career progression, because like you said, you've been at this 15 years now. You've done a lot of things. You've seen a lot of different like nooks and crannies of the fitness industry. So would you mind speaking to your career path? Because I love for the young coaches that listen to this show to know like, hey, it's not like you just stepped out one day and you're writing and speaking and, you know, professing and doing all these things like you probably jumped through some hoops to get there. So could you just share your career path with us a little bit? 
Yeah. Um, so at the beginning, it was definitely like, uh, you know, just putting in the hours, putting in a lot of hours, training clients. And that's the one thing about uh, working at a commercial gym that I have to respect and appreciate is that they will give you all kinds of different clients to work with over the course of time. And you'll put in the long hours and you don't make much money, but you have to log in a whole bunch of hours. So you've got a big diversity of clients to, to work with. And so um, from that, I really am glad that I did that and experienced that because it uh, it was the real converging place for all kinds of of life, the commercial gym, and you don't get that in too many other professions. So, yeah. especially not frequently. So that was one thing about it. So I spent four years there, and uh, in my third year or so is when you know I really started studying a lot more and learning a lot more and applying what I was learning, and I was starting to get a lot more respect in the gym itself and that gym. And so um, my next goal of mine was to you know get into some kind of an arena where my favorite people who wrote content were coming from. You know, and uh, you are one of the people from T Nation that I looked up to Dan, John and uh, Chad Waterbury and all the group of those people back then who are Nick Tominello, all the people who were there writing stuff on the regular for T Nation. And so I said, you know what, I want to try to do that, too. I had ideas. I had some plans. I was pretty ambitious and I went for it. And uh, it took a lot of pitches before they actually included <laughs> me in one little joint article. And yeah. uh, that was sort of the beginning of it. And I just made myself um, sure that I didn't want to just be at a, a one one article wonder there so i wanted to do something and get in there more than once and i eventually it ended up happening so i was doing it um you know every month and then you know every every month every three weeks whatever it was i had something coming out there um that sort of snowballed itself into getting some introductions to other places other publications would come knocking and vice versa um you know the muscle mag when they were a thing men's health all sorts of places like that and uh yeah the rest is kind of history in terms of the writing front um, it opened a lot of doors. And when I quit the uh, commercial gym that I worked at, I got into a medical clinic uh, where I was working as a, one of the on-staff trainers there as a a la carte service that that clinic. I uh, stayed there for a couple of years. So I was still with a company. And then that's when I went on my own after that, which would have been 2012 up until uh, current day. So I've been uh, solo ever since. The writing has you know, taken off and the uh, speaking is something that became an opportunity because of the fact that I was getting out there and whatnot. So everything really came from that initial, I'd say six years of really grinding, putting putting down my head and doing the work, getting the contacts, uh, making sure my network was good in terms of uh, having those people around me, referrals, all that stuff. So, you know, I there's no strings that were pulled or no uh, magical formula that I can tell people who are listening in here. Um, it was it was a product of hard work. And so if you're up to your first year or something like that and you want to go and do your own thing, like you can do it, but you probably have a better shot at really making it last if you take a little bit more time before you do that to prepare for it. And you're going to be better off. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm in the middle of watching this TV series on Netflix and it's called uh, Genius about Kanye oh, yeah. West and his come yeah. up story. Yeah. And you know, that come up story, you know, think whatever somebody might want to think about the current version of Kanye West, but it really shows his early phases of that grind and that real drive, that determination to really get himself out there, um, self um, self funding a lot of projects in order for him to get eyes on his content and whatnot and selling beats and all that. It's really, really interesting. And, um, you know, it, it really spoke to me, to be honest with you, because it reminds me a little bit of kind of like the approach that I really had to go through in myself as far as making sure that I put my head down and do the work in order to see some form of victories or successes. I love it, man. I love it. So let's talk about the general population, because as we kind of discussed briefly before the show, very few people in this industry train exclusively athletes. 
right? Almost That's everybody right. that listens to this show that trains people on a full-time basis has this blend of athletes and gen pop clients. So for starters, and I realize this may sound simple, but what are some of the most common goals that you see with your gen pop clients? Uh, most common goals that I see, I'd say the number one most common actually deals more with conditioning and more with fat loss and body composition change than pretty much anything else. Now, as a byproduct of that, a lot of those kinds of clients who might not be in the greatest shape, for example, or might not be in the best physical fitness at this point in time, as a byproduct of just getting better general conditioning, they're going to get stronger. They're probably going to build a little bit of muscle at the same time as well. They're going to see the results that a lot of strength coaches or trainers out there who are really purist and focused on those kind of goals would be pushing for, for most people to get, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a believer that strength is a real defining factor for a lot of stuff. And it could be really, really important to, to develop, but uh, it doesn't mean that we have to be rushing everybody into exactly a certain kind of training. And the general population client who might want to drop 10 or 15 pounds, who might want to lose three to 5% body fat and whatnot, you know, their level of how sedentary they were before and how poorly they know how to move their bodies at this point in time you know those simple things to change will mean that they can now handle and tolerate more loading that means that they can now have better muscular endurance they can support themselves in these different body weight exercises and whatnot they can do chin-ups all of a sudden so it it really goes hand in hand and i find that uh, it covers a lot of bases when they just get that general conditioning improved and they can deal with uh, their own bodies you know yeah absolutely and something you, I believe you put it on Instagram in the last couple of days, but you just talked about like you can't shy away from the gen pop client that really just needs you for like accountability, right? Or they need you to help them maintain. And, you know, that's not always like the sexiest end goal, but like sometimes if you're being realistic, right? Like you can't train like you're 20 with no other, you know, distractions in life, right? Like as you get older, you've got work, you've got kids, you've got other priorities. And sometimes the gym is like, I don't want to say it's an afterthought, but it kind of is, right? So like Mm -hmm. not shying away from that goal of, hey, I just want to maintain, stay accountable and make sure I'm staying on top of this while these other things in my life are kind of hitting me hard. That's right. And you know, like that's, you hit the nail on the head with that point there. Like we are in the, and we're from the vantage point of the gym being like something or a place that we are most days of the week for many hours at a time, whether it's to train clients or to train ourselves or both in the same day. Like this is extremely abnormal and unnatural for your typical general population client who will spend a grand total of maybe three hours per week in a gym. Right. And so they need it to be something that sort of fits into their routine, their other priorities. And some priorities will take precedence over things like working out or training. And so like, I understand when people don't have it way up here on their priority list and they'd rather have it sort of built into everything else so they can get time to do it because they know it's important to a to a certain degree. And, um, you know, once we can have a better realization of that, even from looking inside out, you know, this is something that is going to really make a huge change in terms of even how we decide to assign programming, how we decide to write programming in the first place, um, what kinds of things we ask our clients to do, what we might expect of a client as far as their rate of change, um, what we might expect for the, our client in terms of what their expectations should be too. Mm-hmm. All those things are going to play a hugely different role when we apply a little bit of uh, vantage or perspective on things, uh, taking things from the client's uh, point of view and from their shoes. Dude, that's such a great point because... I know I've been guilty of this myself, right? Like I am a 
self-purported gym rat, right? Like I've always been in a gym, right? Whether it was playing basketball or, you know, working out. And again, we try and assume, we tend to assume that our reality is theirs, right? So the fact that we find it normal to be in a gym 30, 40, 50 hours a week, we can't fathom a, a time or a place where we're not, right? So like you alluded to, hey man, they might only get three hours in the gym across a week. It's like 2% of their week. But those hours right. are valuable to them. And we have to, you know, kind of, how do I want to say this? We have to honor and respect the fact that, hey, this is an important thing to them. It's not what maybe we would like to do ourselves, but we have to applaud them for, for making that effort and for making this a priority in their life. Of course, you know, and like that whole bridging the gap between like what a client needs and what a client might want as well. If we can be good as trainers or as coaches to sort of give them a blend of both, you know, um, I was reading something somewhere. I can't remember who brought it up, but saying like, you know, someone really wants bigger arms or something like that. Well, guess what? We're going to do 45 minutes out of the hour where it's all the stuff that we really want them to focus on the program. In the last 15 minutes is playtime for the biceps and triceps. And we just go around doing that. You know, and so that way, at least everybody is kind of happy. It's content. They got to practice patterns that are very important for them to practice. But at the same time, they got to get exactly what they were looking for out of it as well. So it sort of meets people in the middle. And um, if we can sort of find that balance between um, need and want, then it's going to be the best for for everybody involved. And it probably will lead to a long-term client as well. Yeah, that's a great point, man. That's the art of it, though, right? Making sure you can blend the needs and the wants, so. Well, you're obviously a pretty darn popular dude, and the natural tendency, if you've got a big following or if you know, you're know you writing and speaking, is that people tend to assume, like other trainers tend to assume, that everything that you and your clients do is perfect. And I think you and I both know, unfortunately, that's not true. You know, we have clients that don't move well or they're not adherent to their, their goals in the gym. They don't you know eat the way that we want them to or don't train the way we want them to, so... I'd love to hear what are some of the issues that your clients struggle with and how have you gone about dealing with those? Um, One issue for sure would definitely be that of, especially with general population clients, it'd definitely be that of consistency, I would say, is first and foremost, Um, especially if you have a client, like when I worked at the medical clinic I was talking about second, there were a pretty elite group of clientele as far as like the one percenter types. And um, from that, you know, if they're an investment banker or a lawyer, especially those two particular professions, which were tons of them, um, they would be traveling every second for work. They'd be (laughs) all over the place, all over the USA, all over Europe, all over Asia, wherever it is that they had to go for work. And, um, you know, it would get in the way of any sort of consistency or any sort of like structure that we could really follow with programming. Um, So, you know, when you have to be stuck designing some kind of like travel program or something like that for them, or you're designing some kind of like, uh, you know, one day per week sort of structure or whatnot, it it makes things a little bit more challenging because you're going to see that their rate of change is not going to be as fast as you'd prefer or as what they'd probably hope for or expect themselves, you know, and along with that comes like, you know, poor sleep habits, jet lag, um, eating out instead of eating yes. uh, home cooked meals and whatnot. So all that stuff is going to play a huge factor in terms of their, their results. And honestly, I'm not to answer the second part of your question. How do I deal with that? How do I fix that problem and whatnot? Well, I don't, I can't, but what I can do is be upfront with them and be realistic with them so they can sort of reestablish a better mindset toward what goals they have. If you know that, you know, you're traveling 150 days out of each year 
And you know that that means that you're going to be eating airport food here and there. It means you're going to have to be dealing with a six-hour jet lag so many times per year. It means that you have to be uh, you know, dealing with less sleep than you normally would. Well, okay, let's build that into our expectations, okay? So if you have a goal of building 15 pounds of muscle this year or something like that, I mean, of true pure muscle, that's kind of like the limit of what somebody who's an adult will probably end up building if they're doing everything right. right. So maybe we've got to temper those expectations and say, well, okay, maybe based on what you're going for, it's better for us to focus on other goals in the gym or lesser goals in the gym or even looking at goals that don't have to do with the gym. How about we make a goal for the first three months of you getting six to seven hours a night? How about we make the goal of the first three months of you eating vegetables with every single meal and having a couple liters of water a day? That sort of thing, right? And then when their energy level changes and they feel a little bit better about themselves and they might even have compositional changes from those modifications, say, okay, now we can look at things like consistency, look at things like your workouts. Maybe we could even look at following a legitimate program here, some kind of a structure that I prepare. And then we can sort of go from there. So it's a little bit of a gradual process. And it's really like a kind of a coming back down to earth and a back to reality kind of reality check for these people um, in order so they can make uh, tempered expectations or, or realistic expectations. And uh, they'll they'll get what they want or at least they will be disappointed when they don't get certain goals otherwise yeah i think this is a great point because i know when i was younger i'm very much a people pleaser so you know they would come to me with these like grandiose goals oh yeah yeah yeah, we can do that we can do that and you know you kind of tell them what they want to hear but then you realize like look this person is not committed to this level of success right and so one thing that i've definitely learned over the years is kind of the art of giving honest and empathetic feedback to somebody, right? So like you alluded to, hey, man, this person wants to add 15 pounds of muscle. Like, uh, it's going to be tough if you're doing all those other things and all these other factors are negatively impacting your ability to do that. So I think right. I think there's an art to this, but, you know, giving them some honest feedback, um, kind of helping, again, meeting them in the middle, right? Like, hey, maybe we can't put on 15, but if we do all these things, you know, maybe we can add five. You know, and trying to find some ways to like bring them back down to reality a little bit without just totally extinguishing the flame and putting the beat down on their dreams. Right. Like trying to find some way to give them that honest feedback so that, hey, look, they still get a win in this, even if it's not that grandiose over the top goal that maybe they started with. Right. And that's something that at the end of the day, I mean, a a logical and realistic, a reasonable client is probably going to come back and thank you for because there's so many people, so many trainers out there. There's so many business out there that blow smoke so, so much. And they say you're going to get what you want as long as you sign on the dotted line and pay the money. And all of a sudden you don't. And, you know, then both everybody's not happy. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, just be honest up front and tell the truth about uh, what your services, what you can provide based on what you've been given to work with, um, that's going to be huge. It's funny, one of my classes that I'm teaching has to do with uh, the last course that I literally, the last um, uh, lecture that I gave literally yesterday was um, on minimal equipment training. It was Mm -hmm. a lab course. And um, that's talking about like, okay, so if you have, let's say a mat, two pairs of dumbbells, um, three bands and a bench, and your client has wants you to pre- prepare a whole program for them. It's like, you can do it. You absolutely can do it. But at the same time, what's something that you should probably let the client know first? Let's see what the, uh, what the students have to say. And they respond to me. And a lot of them said, well, you know, you might want to set a goal of conditioning more so than strength or size. It's yeah. like, absolutely. You know, because 
realistically speaking, you're not going to, as long as the person's not a complete beginner, there's not so much muscle that can be built using not too much equipment to do it. And you definitely can't push your limits of strength when you don't have anything to work with either. So there's tons of conditioning, there's tons of calisthenic and body weight work and so on you can do. And if a person's okay with going that route, we keep it clear, we keep it uh, um, true, and we do that sort of thing for them. And uh, if they want to get the next result or they want to go for another goal, they got to invest in more equipment or join a gym. Yeah. And as simple as that is telling the truth, right? And so uh, that's sort of in, in keeping with what we we're just talking about here. And so it's just brought it to mind. It's funny. Yeah, I love it, man. So another thing that I know you've discussed frequently in the past is trying to determine this sweet spot for training, right? So you're not going in the gym and being a total slacker. But at the same time, you're not going in and just slaying yourself for two or three hours and like dragging yourself back out. So why do you feel like this is still an important to make here in 2022? Well, you know, finding the sweet, sweet spot at any point, especially now, like we are just sort of hopefully edging our way out, at least I should say for my here, myself here in Toronto, we're edging our way out of, you know, being right underwater with this pandemic stuff and right. closures and all sorts of stuff like that. And knowing that it's it's compromised or it's made changes anyway, it's altered the way that people are sort of living their lives in the sense of maybe they have more work from home and they're more, more sedentary than before. Maybe they are working a little bit more because the, the demands of what their job entails means that there's even a spike in business because of the pandemic. It all depends, but it's usually shifted most people's lives in a significant way enough uh, to talk about. Maybe gyms are closed for everybody, so they can't even get to a gym and they had to train at home and stuff. Right. And so with that in mind, saying all that stuff, you know, you think about that circumstance and how one's lifestyle is the real dictating factor for how hard they can go, how much attention they could give to their workouts, their frequency, their intensity with training and all that. See, I I can use my personal experience here when I talked about what happened at the start of the pandemic for me in uh, March of 2020, when everything was announced and it was closed off and blah, blah. Well, my gym, the main gym that I was working at downtown, it was closed, but I had the key. And I knew the owner. So I was like, you know what? Um, let me talk to Steve, see if Steve's going to let me just uh, you know, pop in and just do my own workouts. Now I don't have to wake up at 530 in the morning anymore for clients, at least not for the time being. Right. Now I don't have to deal with any sort of distractions. I don't have any other things to work on other than, you know, articles and online coaching, which is very much more flexible with timing. Yeah. And so with all that said, and I'm not going out and speaking or traveling anymore because that's gone. So with all that said, and even school had a virtual, it went virtual, but it, they took two semesters off while they were figuring out what to do. Oh my gosh. And so all of that, yeah. So all of that went away. And so it was like, okay, now I have so much more time on my hands and I get to sleep a lot more. <laughs> why don't I, why don't I just take the time to really, really like I trained a lot. Like I used to train four or five days a week. Let me do that again. Maybe even five, six, maybe even six, seven from time to time. And let me zero in on nutrition as well and sleep. Let me just focus on a complete picture for this time being because I'll take the opportunity and I can make it work for myself because it wasn't overly taxing. If I tried to do that during the time when I was busy, traveling, writing, speaking, uh, teaching, all that stuff, there's no way I would have burned out. There's no chance that I would have done it. 
So the lifestyle is what the life and the lifestyle and where you are in your life is going to be the huge dictating factor for how hard you get to push it. And I got great results because I got to push it like that. And I was able to sustain a lot of the gains that I made as well. Right. And so, you know, when you factor that into a general population client who might be dealing with exactly the sort of same situation, whether it is more time or whether it is less time, more responsibilities, less responsibilities, whatever phase you are in your life is how you should sort of be tailoring your approach to training with the end goal of being how can we make this consistent right yeah. so even if we're upping the intensity right now know that you're going to come out of this at some point and you won't be able to train seven days a week how are you going to come out of that you know so yeah. okay now after after april then i'm going to be down to four days a week so i'm setting myself up for that mentally right so i'm not upset with lack of these gains or those gains and so on but the goal is to just never stop that's the goal and uh, if we can sort of uh, condition ourselves physically and mentally for that then we're in a good place and we can sort of temper our expectations and our goals that we set too. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, one of the things that that I always try and relay to my clients and athletes is that, look, like training is just a stress that we control, right? Like a lot of the stuff that happens, I don't like saying that. I don't like saying happens to us, right? But like work, we don't always have as much control over that if you're not self-employed. You know, things that are going on with your kids or in your life, like sometimes you can't control that stress. And so therefore you have to temper your enthusiasm when it comes to what you're doing in the gym. But then there are, like you alluded to, there are also these times in life where it's like, hey, you know, I'm not as busy at work. Uh, You know, everything is great at home. I'm getting plenty of sleep. I've got plenty of nutritious food around. Like those are the times that you go all in on your training. But I think, like you said, it's important to know that, but it's also important to think ahead and know that, okay, look, this isn't sustainable forever. So what's my exit strategy here? How can I get you know, back to a more normal routine, either doing more or doing less after this is all done. I think that's a great point. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing as well. Like I was, I was stuck only eating mostly good food because all the restaurants were shut down too. Right. 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 So (laughs) since everything was shut down, it's like, okay, well, I'm making my own breakfast, making my own lunch, dinner, whatever. And like, you know, all of a sudden things change, things change. You get, you get better, you know, nutrition from that. You get a leaner body from that. You get all sorts of things that you're noticing. And it's like, oh, well, it's interesting what happens when you're not using as much oil or when you're not eating this many snacks or carbs or whatever, you know, things change. And, um, you know, when you put things in perspective, like that and in the same vein you're also like well you know what i'm getting used to this it's good why don't i try to now reintroduce the idea like i couldn't go to the movies which was my main thing as well and you yeah. always get the popcorn and you get something to drink you get a oh, popcorn yeah. and you know with that being out of the picture as well those kinds of things like okay well i know i'm gonna start going back to movies when they open again so how am i going to sort of like blend this back in without completely derailing the progress that I've made. And that way I can get the best of both worlds as well. Right. So, you know, all of a sudden it's no butter on the popcorn. You get a small and you get a water on the side instead of soft drink and instead of layered butter, you know, and things like that, or, you know, one, every two movies, you don't even do the popcorn thing. So that kind of thing, uh, those kinds of compromises, those kinds of like, you know, deals that you make with yourself are the way to not, feel deprived or have the worst cravings ever for, you know, something that you used to do, but at the same time, you're still getting some benefit out of it. You're still getting some enjoyment out of it as well. And then everything doesn't seem like a chore at all, right? You can train, you can train your four days, train your three days, whatever it is. You know, I tell a lot of my clients, the every other day rule is usually what I like to start people off by trying to encourage for them. You know, if they don't know how often to train, you know what, if you didn't train yesterday, train today, if you train today, take the day off tomorrow. And that's simple, right? And it usually helps them to to keep some kind of consistency. I love it, man. 
I love it. Okay, so let's take this one step further because obviously a lot of trainers, a lot of coaches listening to the show. How do we help our clients find that sweet spot in their own training, right? Like how do we guide them? Well, you know, I will first and foremost always say uh, I'm a huge believer in leading by some form of example, physical example. So, you know, finding that sweet spot I I will be somebody who not only makes sure that I train and makes sure that I'm staying consistent myself or do my best to do so, but I'll also be transparent with them in terms of any struggles that I might be having with my own fitness, nutrition, any sort of shortcomings, any sort of, you know, even if there's a little bit of a chronic pain here or there, something that I'm trying to to work with, you know, and so as long as I keep people abreast with the fact or enlightened with the fact that I'm just a regular person as well. And so is Mike Robertson. And so is all these other, everybody else that you look up to and everybody else who are these awesome trainers or awesome lifters or whatever it is, you know, if you tell them like, listen, yeah, no, my, my shoulders bugging me or, you know, really tired today. I'm probably not going to work out today. I'm going to just train tomorrow instead. Something like that, that really humanizes the entire endeavor and looks at it from a bigger picture. Then it gives them that perspective to say, well, you know what? you know, within reason, it's not the worst thing in the world. If I take my foot off the gas pedal here and I just apply it to a bigger picture instead, you know, and it's not going to derail them by making them think that they can just get away with not doing anything at all or just taking it half the effort because no, he's going to see Lee go in and train tomorrow instead and train hard. And he's going to see Lee train the next three days as well. And then all of a sudden he's got a busy week and maybe he only got three in this week, but then he gets six in the next week because he's doing better and so on. So when those crests and troughs are sort of being treated like a normal thing, like a, a little tr- crests and troughs are actually being um, explained and shown and showcased and, and, you know, like all that so that the client is not um, unaware of it in whatever level of a lifter that you want to make. Somebody who's a beginner, somebody who's advanced, somebody who's intermediate, somebody who's educated, someone who's not, and so on. It, um, it can really, really be a help for that client to find within themselves the same kind of mentality. And yeah. that's what I uh, try to do first and foremost is just lead by that example and be transparent about what my own journey is, because I think that it helps people even in and of itself, even when I'm not trying to help them. Yeah, dude, this is such a great point, because too often people naturally assume, especially gym pop clients, maybe not so much athletes, but gym pop clients assume that if you're a trainer or a coach, you are like perfect, right? Like you never miss a workout. You eat meal prepped foods out of Tupperware. of the time, right? Like they look up to you. So I think like you alluded to, humanizing yourself, showing some humility, admitting like, hey, dude, I'm not perfect, right? There's days when I, you know, I want to skip the gym or you know what? I really hate split squats too, because let's be honest, like nobody really loves split squats. Uh, But like (laughs) humanizing the whole experience and just letting him know like, hey, look, like I do this for a living. I love it. But I am human just like you, and I falter, and I struggle. So this is a process, and it's not like you just wake up one day and you're perfect because you've done it 15 years. I've done it 21. Neither of us are perfect. Right. Um, And you raised a good point that I didn't even touch on there as well as the nutritional side of it, that imperfection that we might have there too. If there's anywhere that I derail, it's always going to be with food. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 
you know, like in terms of like things that I feel like eating or, you know, I really want burger and fries today. Like I'm just, I'm killing myself not to, you know, stray from the good little trend that I've been on with the good meals and the vegetables right. and the fish and whatever I've been having, you know? And then, you know, the days that I do succumb or I say, you know what, I've been tracking my macros and my calories, but today, man, I just went way over the limit. I had like chips, Ahoy cookies and I had this and I had yeah. that. And, you know, and it tells them that it's like, okay, so these things happen, you know, it's not a question about beating yourself up when they happen. It's about being good most of the time yes. and making sure that you can bounce back when it does happen so that you can look at that long game, that big picture, and still see a positive trend in terms of what your behaviors, what your habits are, and of course, what your results will look like. Yeah, I try and stress this so frequently because inevitably something will come up, right? Like, oh, just, you know, that one meal, that one burger and fries meal, or, oh man, it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, like holidays really bring this out in people. It's like, listen, man, it's not that one day that either makes or breaks you, right? It's all the days leading up to it. So, hey, you know, if you're taking care of yourself, like nobody cares if you go hard on Thanksgiving, like that's kind of expected, right? So, Instead of focusing on the one day, think about the 364 other days out of the year. What are your habits like? What's your nutrition like? How frequently are you training? So that way, when it comes to that day, hey, man, if you want to blow it and have, you know, every food under the sun, go for it. Like, I'm happy for you. Like, because you know, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's it's so funny because like when people take a step back to realize that like, the bloat, for example, that you'll get from eating a big meal or whatnot, or eating late at night or whatever it is, you have that heavy carb, heavy meal or something, or something that's super sugary and saucy. Like there are so many other factors that are playing a part to when it comes to the way your physique looks as a result of what you've been doing, what you've been putting into your body and so on. We talked about sleep. We talked about travel. We talked about stress. Well, we sort of talked about stress. Those factors, when you add those into the picture, it can make a huge difference between somebody looking like 20 pounds heavier than they really do. Just because of the fact that their cortisol levels are way up here. And because of the fact their stress levels are way up here, because of the fact that they're not sleeping enough, you know, because of the fact that they haven't been properly hydrated for two days, right? right? Like it doesn't take much for that kind of look or those retentions to start to disappear if you just start practicing the right things and focusing on self-care rest you know just relaxing for a little bit um i always use the example as well of like have you ever taken a look at yourself or have clients ever taken a look at themselves or you ask a client to take a look at themselves compared to when they're in the middle of a work week versus when they're on vacation Mm -hmm. not much might change in terms of like even the choices they make food wise But when their stress levels are down, maybe when they're in a warmer climate where they can wake up later in the day and then they look and they see sunlight and they see a nice uh, picturesque kind of scenery and whatnot, all those things are going to contribute to what their stress levels look like, how rested they're going to be, what their recovery is like, and so on. And all of a sudden, they look better because of it. Literally, their their whole bodies start to change. And uh, I remember I went to Jamaica in 2016, and it was one of those sort of situations for me as well, where it's like, you know, I'm not really making a conscious effort. I barely even found a gym, like a hotel gym to sort of work out in. But like, I looked 
as good as I've looked for a while right now during this week that I've been out here. And I think it's just because you're having a good time and you're relaxing, you're sleeping and you're, you're just doing your thing, yeah. right? There's no thought of work or anything like that, at least ideally. And um, that's, that's something to, to, to take uh, into consideration for sure. It's just that that self-care, that recovery, all of that stuff, the rest and how much that's going to affect somebody's certain perception of their look of their, their, bloating and all that stuff and so when you couple that with a couple bad meals or not enough water or whatnot then of course you're going to look a certain way and then you know it doesn't take too much attention to turn that around for yourself and you know get a good um couple nights of eight hour nights and get a good a couple nights of you know well hydrated days and 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 good square meals and not too much snacking and then all of a sudden you're feeling all right again so it's just interesting how that works for sure man Okay, so last but not least, I want to talk a little bit of training with you, especially in regards to exercise selection. I know this is something we're both passionate about, but why do you feel it's so important for us to dial in our exercise prescription based on the person standing in front of us? Uh, well, the main reason and something that I've been talking about the most over the last, I'd say, five years or so would have to be just based on the fact that People have different skeletons, people have different leverages, people have different anthropometry, people are taller or shorter and all sorts of things like that. So it's not smart or useful for us to all assume that everybody is going to benefit the same way or get the same training effect from the same lifts and the same variations, right? So we hear deadlifting is important and good for you. We hear squatting is important and good for you. Overhead pressing is important and good for you. And that might be true, but what variations are you giving for this person versus that person? Maybe you might make both of them deadlift, but maybe this person needs to have a wider stance based on their hip anatomy. Maybe this person needs to have a higher hip position based on how long their torso is relative to their legs and vice versa, right? Um, Maybe this person's got shorter arms, so they would benefit from a higher handle position and so on, right? So all of those things are going to, um, it's going to contribute drastically to the training effect that person's going to receive and what kind of results they'll they'll, uh, attain from that. Now, you know, as a guy six foot four myself, I know that when I reach down for a deadlift bar, if I was going to try to do a workout that was a, a, a very high volume deadlift workout, and I compare that to somebody who might be five seven with a long torso, my lower back is going to be screaming at me a lot more than that five seven guy is, even though we did the same thing relative to what our capabilities are, right? And so um, it's just because of the geometrical position that I have to put myself into conventional barbell deadlift, and so those adjustments, those changes, it brings to question a whole world of other questions like, okay, so what would be an ideal training volume for a 6'4 lifter with long legs? What would be an ideal training volume? What would be an ideal loading? How long should they rest in between sets if the recovery is going to come into to be a factor for that to matter as well, right? Um, what about conditioning training? Can a guy 300 pounds, a football player, um, do Tabata method training compared to a person 160 do Tabata method training? Like technically they still could, both of them, but I'm pretty sure that it takes a lot more energy to run one body than it does to run the other, right? So all of those kinds of questions and just thinking a little bit outside the box so that you're not married to just one program or one lift or one method and and one coaching or cueing strategy even, uh, it could make a huge difference in terms of what kind of a training session that results in for the client and what kind of a bigger picture program that results in for the client. So does it break them down or does it help build them up? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And I think this is something that we we have to learn hopefully sooner versus later in our careers, right? Is we have to take our biases out of training our clients. And this is something that, you know, admittedly, I thought I was really good at early on. I thought, oh, well, 
you know, I'm a power lifter, but I don't train people like power lifters. And then I go back and I look at the programs that I wrote and I very much train people like power lifters. So being objective about the person standing in front of you, their anthropometrics, like you mentioned, their goals, their ability to train regularly. Like when you're 22 and your goal is to get as jacked as possible, it's, it's sometimes hard to be objective about the 45-year-old stay-at-home mom that just wants to feel better and have enough energy to keep up with her kids and, you know, hopefully not get a divorce. Like, like it's just, it's hard to relate, but I think the sooner you can take that on and learn that in your career, the easier it's going to be for you to be not only empathetic, but by default, be more successful as a trainer or coach. Of course. And, you know, part of that as well, I think is, uh, like we were talking about the very beginning of this talk, I said that I was working at a commercial gym for the first period of time. And you get that, that, uh, insurgence of so many different types of clientele, including the 45-year-old mom who wants to keep up with their kids and so on. And so when you get an earlier exposure to those kinds of people so that they can challenge what your own general proclivities have been with your own training or with how you've been training clients, and you say you want to work with athletes, for example, and, and a very homogeneous group of people like a football team or a hockey team or only power sport athletes and whatnot so that the umbrella under which they would operate would be a lot smaller than what you'd have to think about for a, a general population group of people. Yep. When you have experience working with that wide range instead, when you have experience and early exposure to the people who don't care so much about, let's say, building all the muscle or getting all the strength or all the aesthetics and a six pack and whatnot, you know, it can really help you build that perspective earlier rather than later, which is only a benefit to you. You know, one guy that I actually worked with this morning, um, you know, earlier in the time that we've been trained together, he told me, he was like, listen, like, I understand that, like, you know, I want to get stronger. I do want to make changes to my physique and get, get a little bit of muscle. He's 48 years old. I want to get a little bit more muscle and so on. And, um, you know, I want to rehab this shoulder because it's been giving me some problems. But, you know, as far as like body recomposition goes, I like food too much of the experience <laughs> of eating food and, and enjoying the different dishes and all that stuff. I am so passionate. I'm passionate enough about that to the point where if it means that my recomp gets halted because I can't lose that last 2% body fat to have my abs begin to show and I'd rather have just a regular kind of little bit of body fat on its stomach. Right. I'm willing to make that sacrifice because I yeah. still have those experiences that I associate with, you know, meals and food and association and whatnot. It's still there. So I want to be as healthy as I can be, but there are certain places that like, you know, it's going to sort of reach its limit and I'm fine with that. Not everybody needs to have, you know, the six pack or that flat, flat stomach or whatnot. I know that I'm doing the right thing. I'm eating well most of the time, but these sort of things, they have their place in my life as well. And I'm, I'm okay with that, you know? And so just hearing people who have perspectives like that, whereas if I was 23, 24, I would have been like, no, you got to change your, you got to change your attitude. You got to change your mind on that. Right. That's not what fitness is about. Well, at 35, I'm not saying the same thing. I'm completely aligning with them and I can see where they're coming from. So it does change things over time. And you, you know, those general population clients, you can learn a lot from them. Yeah, for sure, man. Okay, my guy, big question time. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Lee Boyce one piece of advice, what would it be? 
Um, it would probably be to make a, a earlier focus on nutrition stuff, to be honest with you. Um, and that's just for my own personal development, personal uh, training stuff and so on. And also it can give, uh, it could make uh, for some uh, rendering of some good advice early on too. But the focus on nutrition and making sure that, um, you know, you can develop the right habits nutritionally early on, it is such an important starting point for a lot of people who might call themselves hard gainers, for example, or who might call themselves hard losers as far as dropping body yeah. fat goes, you know, and um, if you can, if you can really hone in on the important tenets of nutrition and proper practice, taking in the correct amounts of protein, um, drinking the proper amounts of water that you're supposed to avoiding, you know, too many of like sugary drinks, for example, which is a huge trap for a lot of people too. Um, you know, those kinds of things, being under wraps or being on point with them, then you can go way further along and make some real strides with your, your gains, whatever your goals might be. So, and you'll have more knowledge too. So I think the first thing that comes to mind right off the bat as a knee jerk response would be a nutrition knowledge, nutrition. I love it, man. Okay. Last but not least, we got our lightning round. So four fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. All right. Okay. Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach? Um, huh. You know, I, I went to Penn Relays in, uh, in 2013 to work with, uh, team Jamaica for track and field, uh, for their, uh, their Penn Relays, uh, you know, events and so yeah. on. So that was a really good experience. That's probably the first one. If it's not that, then I would probably have to say, you know, getting into the educational world and, uh, you know, teaching and all that sort of thing, which was a product of speaking and all that. So I'd say like, it's a split between that singular experience and slash the break into kind of the educational side of this industry. So it's, it's both of those. I love it, man. I love it. Okay. Number two, I'm curious about this one. What's your favorite T nation article that you've written? Um, I'm going to have to go with, I've written a lot of them, but I think the truth for tall lifters is probably one of my favorite ones because it really opened. It didn't, it's not, I'm not going to say it's the opening door to it, but it was one of the first articles on the subject that I dealt with in terms of like body proportions and leverages and height and how things have to be a little different depending on what kind of body someone has. And, you know, to me, it was kind of like a, it did open floodgates for much more of that content. The article also did really well. And, you know, I wrote that maybe in 2000 and I want to say maybe 15 or 16. Okay. And since that point, you know, I've, I've been talking about that subject a lot. And uh, it definitely was a starting point for a lot more of that conversation. What's the Instagram handle? Is it Tall Guy Tuesday? Or oh, hashtag? The, yeah, the, the hashtag, yeah, yeah hashtag. Tuesdays every week. Every week I put those ones out and I try to have something uh, unique and original to talk about for, for long arms, big people, even like wider, bigger guys too, yeah. you know? And so I try to keep that uh, consistent there every Tuesday. I love it, man. Well, speaking of tall guys, number three, how often do you get confused with Draymond Green on a weekly basis? <laughs> Draymond, you know, I don't get Draymond too often, but somebody who uh, I've been told that I look like a lot in terms of uh, even there's a there's a guy who uh, works in the uh, maintenance of my, my condo building, uh, Dwayne Wade. I get oh yeah, I can lot, see that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get Dwayne a lot, and uh, me and him are actually Dwayne Wade is six foot four, I'm six foot four, and so we're about the same. He's over two hundred, I'm over two hundred, yeah. so I get it, I understand. So, um, yeah, Draymond, I haven't gotten. A friend of mine looks something like him. So it's kind yeah. of funny you said that. But, uh, yeah, no, Dwayne Wade is probably the number one basketball reference that I get. <laughs> I, okay, now that you say that, I totally see that. I think it was more when I saw you at the Raise the Bar conference. The lines were so clean, and it reminded me of Draymond. When his uh, lines are real clean, I was like, oh, yeah, 
He's got that going <laughs> for him today. Okay, awesome. Okay, last but not least, number four. What's next for Lee Boyce, man? Like, been in the game 15 years. What are you working on now? What are you excited about? Anything? Well, to be honest with you, I'm kind of just trying to restart the whole momentum that I had going on pre-pandemic. Sure. And um, every year, I know not too many people know this about me, but like I sort of, it's sort of like in the Chinese calendar, the Chinese New Year calendar. It's the year of the dragon, the year of the, the frog, the year yeah. of the fish and all those different things. So I sort of dub these each year, a year of something new that I focus on as well. Right. Okay. So I've had kind of like the year of the print magazine. Then I had the year of the online article. And then I had the year of the, the TV spots and the different appearances there. And so okay. I would just make an additional push to try to get more of that content in there, get more of those uh, appearances or uh, opportunities to come my way. Right. Um, so this past like pre pandemic slash, I guess I'm going to grandfather that over into right now as well. It has been the year of the public speak of the talk of, you know, of travel okay. to talk, you know? Yeah. And so I really want to just keep the ball rolling with a lot more speaking engagements, a lot more talking, a lot more events, symposiums and whatnot, and even getting out for private, uh, private affairs as well, in terms of speaking goes. Um, that's where most of my allegiance has sort of been, uh, been, been uh, dedicated to in the last little while. And I'm just glad that I was able to get out to Florida this month to sort of kickstart that again, and hopefully keep yes. that going for the rest of 2022. Love it, man. Love it. Well, Lee, amazing to catch up with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great stuff you're doing? Uh, website is actually a new one's actually coming out for me as well. Uh, it's leevoice.com. So uh, right now the old website is still up and it's still great and still got everything up to date and whatnot. But uh, as of this weekend, actually, it's going to flip over to the new updated oh. version of it, which will be pretty, uh, pretty aesthetically pleasing. Nice. So leevoice.com. And then of course you got my uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, which is all at coach Lee voice. And uh, you know, specifically on Instagram, especially I'm putting stuff up every single day without a doubt. And um, that's, uh, that's the most free place that I'm on uh, Twitter though and uh, and Facebook you're gonna see stuff every week there so uh, yeah I try to I uh, try to share on all uh, platforms of content and uh, that's where you'll find the tall guy Tuesday stuff as well on the Instagram and, uh, and all sorts of other great posts I love it man well Lee again thanks so much for coming on the show buddy it was really great chatting today of course that was great all right my friend that does it for this week's show with Lee really hope you enjoyed it like I said up top, we really covered the entire gamut here from gin pop training to your mindset during the pandemic to goal setting, I mean, sweet spot training. Like we dove into a lot of different topics and I think a lot of stuff that can be really valuable if you take a step back and you think about how you can apply it either with yourself or the clients and athletes you're coaching. So really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, do me one of two favors. Number one, if you're not already subscribed to the show, please wait no longer. Go to wherever you consume podcasts and do that right now. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, the Amazon Store. Wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now, this very second. Don't wait anymore. Hit subscribe so that you know each and every week when a new episode drops. Number two, if you're already subscribed, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Go one step further. Go to iTunes. Give me a rating and a review. It's the most surefire way to make sure we get the podcast in the hands of other great trainers, coaches, rehab professionals, so we can continue to elevate our industry in the months and years to come. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.